Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. Welcome into another episode of We're Talking Tonight, Mr. Jay Walker, voice of the Raging Cajuns. How are you this evening, Jay? I'm great. Cajuns are coming off a W, and all is right with the world. How are you liking that Elijah Craig barrel proof? I'm telling you, it's kind of smooth for 120... What? 121 proof. Yeah, it is kind of smooth considering, you know, the potency of it. Um, I don't know that I'd, you know, have more than one, because I might start sounding like you did a couple weeks ago. But... <laughs> I refuse to listen to that episode. <laughs> you know, that one right there is uh, Elijah Craig about 10 years ago came out with their first barrel proof. And, and uh, it was so dark. And it was like 142.4 proof. Holy cow. And the people on the message boards called it hazmat. It was it was rough. I do have a bottle and a half left of it somewhere. Where we will try one night, at, maybe at the end of the evening after the recording. So... Um, Let's all right. Let's jump into. It. Let's talk. Uh, uh, oh wait, before we start though, McCartney finished it. Awesome. I'm not going to give the ending away, but we're going to discuss that off air because I, I am going to do a Facebook post about it. Also, I want to get your feeling, but I can tell you one thing: the episode with the Anvil and Maxwell Silverhammer was freaking awesome. It was. It was great. You know, they're. You know, I. Being old enough. To really remember when the Beatles started, um, and loving the band as much as everybody my age did, to hear some of the stories behind the music, I just found it fascinating. It was just it, it captured something where I kept having to pause it and digest it because the thing I loved about it the most is Paul McCartney looked ten years younger and he looked at. He looked excited again to me uh, out of other interviews I saw. I also loved the fact that they, they were in a, a, a studio where if they wanted to isolate some of the music, they could, they could go ahead and, and draw down some of the other stuff and isolate the, the instruments and stuff. I just thought it was amazing. Rick Rubin, I believe, is the interviewer. Uh, I, his last name is right. Rubin. I yeah. think, I, I'm pretty sure it's Rick Rubin. I kept wanting to call him Paul Rubin, but which I know it's not. Rick Rubin, uh, which kind of shocked me when I looked him up. He was actually the engineer or the producer on on bands like the Beastie Boys, Run DMC, and, and you know a lot of rap groups, but some other mainstream artists as well. Yeah, the guy knows his stuff. It, very much so, and, and and you can tell. And didn't you just love the fact that they did it in black and white? Oh, it was it, the whole thing just felt like <laughs> it was just it was just really really good, and I was I was glad that I had Hulu so I could yeah. watch it. It was just it was just awesome. Well, for everybody's information, November, I think, 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, Disney Plus airs Get Back. It's a six-hour documentary on the making of Let It Be. Oh. Lost footages and things like that. Are you ready for that, too? I'm, uh, I am so excited. So, But let's move on to why we're here. We're going to talk football again. Sunbelt Conference football. Let's start off with the Marshall App State game. What a finish, I mean, or well, a game. It was, it was a great football game. Yeah. Um, Marshall and App, and, and I think a lot of the people, especially in this part of the Sun Belt, don't understand that that's a rivalry that is that goes back quite a ways. And 
it's uh, you know even though they're they're not in the same conference it goes back to when they were both in the FCS and it is there's a lot of history there and the game was played like there was a lot of history there you know Marshall won last year in Huntington when Marshall had just a tremendous defense and this time a, a higher scoring game but you know App was minus seven and I looked at that and I said ooh that's a lot of points for that rivalry and I thought it would be closer than that and sure enough it was glad App won because that's a that's a good win for the league uh, and the um, the Sun Belt is five and one against Conference USA this year and so that um, that was great, but it was very entertaining football game. It, it, it was. I enjoyed it very much, especially for a, a, a Thursday night game and, and the conference once again getting to showcase that they were the only game on Thursday night two weeks in a row. And I know a lot of people didn't like the Ohio game being on a Thursday, but I tell you what, you know, I, I don't think you can ask for anything much on that and, more. And, you know, I didn't see where the uh, playing on Thursday night just killed that crowd in Boone. No. Okay? wasn't as big as it would have been if had it been on Saturday, but it's not like nobody was there. I mean, they still had a nice crowd there. Unfortunately, some of the students after the game kind of spoiled. Uh, yeah, I did. I did see a video on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but, but hey, we've all got those guys that just not all of them get caught on video all the time. So uh, moving on though, uh, UMass Coastal Carolina. Not much really to say there. I mean, Coastal Carolina dominated the game, but anything you want. <laughs> no, nah. no, I got nothing. Uh, Texas State, Eastern Michigan. I, I will tell you, Eastern Michigan's gray field looks like it had dead grass. It looks like it, to me, it looked like dead grass and snow mixed together. It's ugly. It's horrible. It's hard to watch. It's stupid. I'm sorry. Well, you know, I did a game up there in 2005, um, and and it was, you know, it was grass. It was grass, grass field. Then. Um, it's an old stadium and what was what was kind of funny is that stadium in Ypsilanti is about eight miles from the big house. Yeah. Okay. And so they announced 5,200 as their opening day crowd. I'm not sure they had that because kicking off at the same time, Notre Dame was at Michigan. That oh, day. man. Um, that's a bad loss for the league. Uh, now... In fairness, and, and I did not know this until you told me before we started, Texas State last week had 26 players out uh, because of the COVID protocol. They got some of them back, but they still had they still had plenty missing. And but it was a game where they weren't all that competitive against a team from the MAC that isn't all that good. So yeah. that was that was discouraging, I think, as far as a, a game in our league that was okay. Yeah, that shouldn't have happened, and I think uh, I think that was it. Well, the field brought me back to my days playing football in Germany where the, the grass was dying and the snow was on the field. But that's all I can say good about that. Fond memories. Uh, my, my brother and I talked about it later on in the day. But uh, Georgia State and Auburn. Wow. Georgia State. Which What are they? Well, you know, Georgia State, if you remember, you know, they, they went up to Tennessee and won. And... Georgia State is just good enough to where if you totally overlook them, and obviously Auburn was. Why? Because they're at LSU this week. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, but they woke up in time. 
You know, they got the go-ahead touchdown, then got a pick-six right at the end of the game to make yeah. it a 10-point game. game was a lot closer than what the score showed. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I do think it was because oh, Auburn yeah. just totally looked past it. No, honestly, I think Auburn's definitely the better football team and probably uh, more so than the, the score indicated, but at the same time, the game itself. A uh, game that became interesting at the end, the uh, Tulsa-Arkansas State game. Did you happen to see the end of that game? Mm-mm. So Ar- uh, Tulsa's driving. There is uh, 43 seconds left in the game. Tulsa is on, like, in uh, first and goal. It's fourth down. Evidently... It's first and goal is fourth down? It's fourth down. They had it... I'm had sorry. It they, had it, they, they had it first and goal, fourth down. Uh, Arkansas State was able to stop them and use their timeouts. Well, on, um, on the third down play, one of the defensive backs called timeout because he either didn't like the lineup or they had too many players on the field. And Butch Jones, right? I, yes. I just keep wanting to say Butch Johnson. But Butch Jones. Butch, Butch Jones goes ballistic because now they can't stop the clock and all, all Tulsa has to do is kneel down and the game is over because they wasted a timeout. You're better off taking the penalty and doing all that and, and keep your timeout, which, again... It's hard to blame a college kid. I mean, no. you, you, yeah, that's yeah, not. It is. It is. It, it, it's it's not easy to know all those scenarios right there. Well, so I felt bad for him. Arkansas State now is one and three. They've uh, they've dropped three straight after their opening win against Central Arkansas, and uh, they go to Georgia Southern this week. And of course, you know. Folks may or may not have heard that Georgia Southern dismissed Chad Lunsford as their head coach today. Um, I'd been told earlier in the week that if the Cajuns went down and won decisively, that this probably would happen. I thought that after Georgia Southern put up a great fight last night, and they played with some passion, yeah. and then they, you know, um, that uh, that perhaps that it wouldn't happen. But there was a video which surfaced. Um, on Twitter today. Now, Georgia Southern, they go to the stadium, it's a tradition there, on yellow school buses. Mm. And there was a, um, a video purportedly uh, of Gavin, I think his first name is Gavin, last name is Adcock, Okay. who's an aspiring country singer. He's actually come out with a couple of country songs. That purportedly that was him on top of the bus, and somebody threw him a beer. This is before the game. Yep. And then he popped it and he chugged it. Um, that's not a good look. And so that wound up on social media. Um, I I heard now I, I'd have to go to the play by play to see if this is accurate or not. But I had heard that he was the one that jumped on fourth and one. When uh, when the Cajuns got him to jump oh. offside, I don't know if it was or not. I'd have to go to the play by play. Oh, so he's a player? It. No, yeah, he was. He's a nose uh, reserve. Oh, nose okay. I didn't realize that. I was yeah. wondering what the whole big deal was. Him being up there. Yeah. No. Oh. He's, he's one of their players. I knew he was an aspiring country music, but I didn't realize he was a player. Okay, yeah. that makes a lot more sense to me. And so you know, they went ahead and made the move. Um, so Chad Lunsford is out. Um, but Arkansas State has to go over there uh, this week. And, you know, you look at USC after they fired Clay Helton. 
that the following week they went out and just kicked ass okay I have I have a feeling there you're gonna get a very inspired Georgia Southern squad coming up this weekend well you know our friend Kevin Foote says if you want to if you want to win a game fire your coach or fire your manager and then you're gonna win the, you're gonna win several in a row after that yep so uh, and you know quite honestly it, it does happen most of the time uh, a game that we talked about off air and probably uh, congratulations to one of the nicest people that we know Nick white uh, uh, you know Troy you and I'm just demolishing Troy so Troy was a 24-point favorite in that game. And for those folks that don't know the name Nick White, Nick is the play-by-play guy for ULM. And Nick is one of the finer human beings in, in my profession. Um, just a great, great guy. And we all love him. And, you know, he went through a season last year where his team never had the lead in a single game. That's rough. That is rough. So... You know, they beat Jackson State a week ago, and that was a, a game where they didn't score a touchdown. They kicked four field goals to win 12-7. to But but they came out last night and dominated Troy. The ULM's defense isn't bad. Okay, Offensively, they struggle, but their defense is pretty decent. And, um, you know, they're up 20-10. to They get a safety to make it 22-10. to And then uh, in the fourth quarter... Uh, Troy is driving to get close, and they've got first and goal. And the uh, Troy quarterback, uh, right after completing about a 35-yard pass, yep. throws another pass, and a guy picks it off and takes it back 96 yards. Pick six, 29 to 10, game over. That I'm very, uh, you know, it's kind of odd to say that. ULM is tied for first in the Sun Belt Conference. ULM has a winning streak. They've won two in a row. They have a winning record. They're two and one. And they're tied for first place in the Sun Belt Conference. So forgive Nick yeah. if he stays in the clouds for a few days. Well, my hope now, is. Now, he's going to come out of the clouds because yeah. they're going to Coastal Carolina this week. My hope is having Nick on in the next couple of days just to talk, the, talk about that win and have the, some talk. I, I, I'm happy for Nick. And, 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 you know. I don't have that animosity toward ULM. I, I, I really don't, and I never have. Um, I don't as much now. You don't, you know, I mean, I always want yeah. always want the Cajuns to win. Um, but it, I, I was kind of glad for them yeah. um, in the game on Saturday. And, and no disrespect well, to my friends at Troy, but... Well, uh, our friends at Troy, you know, I'm sorry, but... Uh, Kind of glad that Nick won and you guys lost. <laughs> you know, so it is what it is. Um, we're we're going to save the last game in, until our final segment. All right, let's look ahead uh, next week. App State at Georgia State. Which Georgia State team shows up? Or do you think App dominates that game? Well, I think App would have to help Georgia State win that game. I, I think the way that Georgia State wins if App helps them. Yeah. Um, this is, look, App State's good. And, you know, Georgia State, I think, on every, any given day could be good. But App's offense is, that, that running game is very difficult to stop. And, and I, think, I think App will win that game. I, I, God, I saw a line earlier today. I want to say it's nine. Yeah, that sounds uh, about right. And, and no, I think, uh, I think it will be a big surprise if Georgia State wins that game. 
Troy headed to South Carolina. Not you had thought at the uh, begin or not our week two of the season. Troy had an opportunity there, but after their performance at ULM, who knows what will happen there at South Carolina? Yeah, South Carolina's I, not very good, but still they're an SEC school. They're still an SEC school, and you know Troy. You know they've got the they've got the win over Southern Miss, but everybody has a win over Southern. Yeah, Miss right Southern now. Miss is not. They're, uh, they're really they're really struggling. I really thought Troy would be a team that would take a big step forward. I haven't seen anything that would indicate that has happened. So the uh, the final game before uh, we talk about the Cajuns both uh, this weekend and next weekend, Arkansas State at Georgia Southern. Uh, very interesting game there in the sense that Arkansas State has not been able to stop anybody from scoring. Uh, Georgia Southern with the new coach again. What I mean, any, any more to say to what you said earlier? I mean, I guess Georgia Southern's an early four and a half point favorite in that game. I do expect them to come out and play with some passion. And look, if you don't know the history of Paulson Stadium, Cajun fans don't know it because they're three and zero there. Right. Okay. Nobody does that to Georgia Southern in Statesboro. That is a very, very difficult place to win. And um, there's a reason why Georgia Southern's favored. And the fact that they're so hard to beat at home is the, is the reason. Um, I, think it's, it, I think it's one of two big games in the league. Um, and it's the, it's the league opener for, uh, for Arkansas State and Georgia Southern. If they, if they don't want their season to be over as far as the Eastern Division is concerned, it's a must-win for them. So um, I'll, I'll be watching um, the scoreboard uh, with interest in that one. Uh, you're listening. We're talking with Craig Melanson tonight, Jay Walker, voice of the Raging Cajuns. We'll be right back after this short break. We're back with work talking, Craig Malonso and Jay Walker. Jay, it's one of those things that we talked about a little bit off the air, but and I understand that Buffalo Trace is not exactly a hard thing to find sometimes, but at the same time, when you come across a bottle and you haven't seen it in a while, you, you might want to pick it up. I'm just saying, just because you had six <laughs> six other bottles, not Buffalo Trace at home. but Yeah, I probably should have bought it, but I didn't. I can see that me traveling with you has not traveling with you has changed you. At one time, I'd be getting texts, "Hey, look what they have at this liquor store." Right now, it's like going like, "Oh, I passed it up. It's no big deal." Well, and you know, if there would have been something where I was today that I haven't seen in a yeah. while, that you know, for instance, if they'd have had a bottle of Eagle Rare there, mm. I'd have bought it. Yeah. Um, if they had had a bottle of um, Colonel E. H. Taylor, I would have bought it. A lot of that, uh, if they'd have had anything by Wellers, I would have bought it, even though I got a 12-year-old at the at the house. Yep. Um, Buffalo Trace isn't quite as hard to find. So I'll, the next the, the next time I see it on the shelf, I'll pick it up. I agree. Well, I'm sipping on uh, Baker's, the original Baker's Small Batch, uh, which is a, a product by uh, uh, Jim Bean. And uh, Jay, I think his next drink, if he gets there before this is over, will be the Baker's Single Barrel. If you don't know about the two, they're both delicious. If, I, if I'm if I'm still able to stand up after this, uh, oh my barrel gosh. proof Elijah Craig. Well, at least it got you to sip a little slower there. Oh, oh yeah, that it did. <laughs> we're we're I tell you, we're one night we're going to have to take out a bottle of Booker's oh. and and a box of Thin Mints and just sit here and, and record <laughs> and drink because <laughs> there's this. We'll be that, speaking in tongues. See that? See that couch? Yeah, I'll be sleeping on it that night. So. 
Whew, that went down the wrong windpipe there. But, uh, Cajuns at Georgia Southern. Uh, another victory for the Cajuns. 3-1 on the season. Um, I, I, I know the score may not indicate it like it did at Ohio, but I think the Cajuns are getting better each week. Um, I think in, in some areas they took a step forward. I think in some areas they might have regressed a little bit. Um, I thought, and again, I'm going to go back to it. And, you know, fans don't want to hear, oh, yeah, well, Jay, you just, uh, Paulson Stadium is one of the toughest places in America to play. They've got the second best winning percentage in the country at that stadium, and only Alabama has a better home field advantage. Well, it's, it's, look, I love game day over there. Yeah. And, and, and I will say this to, to Cajun fans. Two years from now, if the when the Cajuns are scheduled to go back to Georgia Southern, you need to you need to make that a bucket list game, because if you if you're going to go anywhere in the league to soak in the game day college football, there are two places: Boone, North Carolina, and Statesboro, Georgia. And having an on-campus facility is great, and they have a lot of history, a lot of pageantry on game day. Um, their students turn out in droves, and they sit behind the visiting bench, like you know, like they used to do at Cajun Field, yep. where they'd take like the entire east side down low would be all students. That's what Georgia Southern does, and uh, and they're there, and they're passionate, and they're drunk, and they're you know, and they talk about your mama, um, but it's. They're, they're very much into it. There is nothing better in our league as far as tradition is concerned to watch Freedom I before asked, the game. I was going to ask you, did Freedom fly? Freedom flew and... Last time we were there, he didn't fly because of wind conditions. Right, but but he flew and I, I got chill bumps again. And there's a picture on, um, on Facebook, Sidra Wingerter and Beverly Black oh. took their picture yes. right in front of Freedom, and Freedom went up with his wings. What a great shot. I saw that. Um, I, I wasn't sure who was with Beverly, but that... Uh, but but I, Freedom... How did you say that? Yeah. Freedom flying. Their, their, um, their pregame, the band's pregame, yep. uh, is is something that... I mean, that it's been steady for years and years and years, and they do a very good job in their pregame of forming different words and letters and they do uh, Eagles and they do GSU and they do GATA and then they all come together and form the state of Georgia play Georgia on my mind it's it is just it's game day's great over there it's great and so Cajun fans make it a bucket list item it's hard to win there and the fact that the Cajuns are three and zero in that stadium, I think, speaks volumes about the Cajuns. You know, it, it's funny you say that about the the state of Georgia. I remember uh, the Georgia as, as the band, but traveling uh, Ohio University during the state of Ohio. Those are some of my be my fun, I, not my best pictures, I guess, but funnest pictures to take of the bands doing their things. It's just like you know when our band does uh, Bohemian and Rhapsody and then does the guitar. When they did the Queen, the Queen uh, tribute. So, 
I, I enjoy the bands. Game game day there is great. Yeah. Um, so, back to the football game, though. Uh, I was a little shocked, and I made the prediction. I thought we'd have two running backs. I thought this was going to be Imani's Bailey's breakout game, quite honestly. I thought we'd have Johnson and Bailey over 100 yards each, and then we'd have Levi over 50 and, and, and Chris Smith over 50. But it didn't happen. No, Georgia Southern did a good job. Look. They knew we were going to try to run the ball. They're not a great defensive team, but the problems that they've had this year have been in the secondary. Yes. And so, but they've been pretty good against the run. And remember, this is a this is Georgia Southern squad that last year led the Sun Belt in total defense and led the Sun Belt in scoring defense. And if you remember, it was a 19-18 to 18 game at Cajun Field last year. Um. I'm going, you know, the the Cajun defense, I thought, it was, what is the old saying about the little girl with the curl? When she's good, she's very good, and when she's bad, she's very bad. They, that's an old saying. Okay. Uh, A very old saying. All right. Evidently, it's a really old saying. I didn't want to go there, but you brought it up. We, um, the Cajuns had issues at time in tackling, okay? But... When the Cajun defense needed to make a play, they made a play. They had nine, count them, nine tackles for loss. Plus, they had countless quarterback hurries where they forced Tomlin into throwing the ball when he didn't want to. Um, Gerald Green, you know, looked like the MVP of the league. I mean, he had a career high. Had the, he had the big, long touchdown run where he where the Cajuns missed four tackles. Yeah. Um, but, you know... When they had to have a stop, they had to stop. I mean, they had five stops on fourth down. And uh, and some of them were pretty dramatic. I was going to say, the Cajun defense came up big. They did. They did. Now, you know, we talked about the Cajuns tackling issues in the first two games. And at times, that happened again. But there were also times when they made very, yeah. very good plays. And, and, and yes, it was Chauncey Manack. Yes, it was Zion Hill. Farad Gardner had one of the best games of his career. McCaskill was really, really good. But you also had guys like Jaquan Nelson making a play or two. And and Kendall Wilkerson had a huge sack um, yeah. at, a, at a crucial time of the game. Percy Butler was very good uh, on, uh, on, on Saturday. So it was... I'm not going to say frustrating because it wasn't frustrating, but it was like, okay, you know, in this series you weren't great. On this series you are great. Um, but once again, Patrick Tony's halftime adjustments played big. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say you, you use the word frustrating, and I agree with you, but not in the, the, the term frustrating as, like, I guess aggravating because you it's frustrating because you see what the team has the capability of doing and I think you also saw a banged up offensive line yes because they lost a couple of key reserves early last week that are going to be out either for the year or, or for a good while Shane Vallow goes down yeah um, so Tyler Burton was in for a couple snaps he's a walk-on freshman um, Carlos Rubio goes down again. And so, you know, Mark's had to slide over. A.J. Gilly comes in. There's not very much depth on the O-line right now. No, and the, and the offensive line is much better in there with Rubio in there at the tackle and, and Mark's back at the... Now, 
you know, once again, Montrell Johnson, it, it's becoming... increasingly obvious, although I'm not ready to say this as an absolute, but Montrell Johnson is the only guy who can consistently run between the tackles. Yeah. Because he's got that strength, he's got the ability to not go down on the first hit. Um, you know, Imani Bailey had the touchdown out of the Wildcat, um, and he had one other really good run in the game, but but Montrell Johnson got tough yards, and there was a, you know, I don't think the Cajuns scored in this particular drive, but they had three or four first downs in the fourth quarter when they were chewing up clock, and Montrell Johnson was the workhorse in that. So I, um, I like what he did. Now, Levi was really good. Now, they're, now the Levi haters yeah. okay, are going to say, what do you mean he was really good? He did this wrong, he did this wrong, he did this wrong. First of all, oh, well, he can't throw the ball deep. Well, he had two two uh, yeah. touchdown passes of 45. Um, he was, once again, 21 out of 29. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, there were He missed a couple of receivers. Um, he, there were also a couple of drops. And there was one particular play, and, and I, haven't, I haven't gone to, to read what the fan board has had to say about it. But there was there was one play, and I think it was a fourth down play, where the Cajuns went for it. He went back to throw and got sacked for a ten yard loss. And I immediately said when it happened, somebody ran the wrong route. Yeah. And Richie was watching, and he said, "Yes, from the very beginning, John Stevens didn't know where he was." And that's what happened on that particular play. That wasn't on Levi at all. Um, and, and those are things that I saw in the NFL this weekend. I forgot which game I was watching earlier because I had three games on on the TVs here. But it, it was one of those things that you could tell. Oh, it was Tom Brady, I think, with, with somebody. And he goes, you know, trying to explain to the receiver, you're supposed to do this instead of that, you know, which I don't understand. I was, I was told before the game that the Cajuns might have success with the post, and they did. Okay. Um, as they hit the two long touchdown passes. But... Um, but on the two touchdown passes, right in stride. Now, there was a third one that the that the guy had to wait on the ball a little bit, and it wound up being incomplete. But on the other two, they were perfectly thrown footballs. And um, he's now three touchdown passes shy of Jake DeLume's record. Um, and he won again. Yep. Not much you can disagree with about that part. Uh, you're listening to We're Talking with Craig Malonso and Jay Walker, voice of the Cajuns. All right, game ball. All right. Game ball to Chris Couch, the Cajun special teams coordinator. Okay. The Cajuns kicked ass in the kicking game. Yeah, they, yeah, okay? they did. The, the Cajuns were superior in the kicking game. Um, whether it was Reese Burns punting the football, the Cajuns didn't try a field goal, but they were 4 for 4 in extra points. The only smudge, Nate Snyder had one uh, kick that went out of bounds, but yeah. then again, so did Georgia State. But they blocked two kicks. Um, that was that game, was, that, game changers. Uh, I agree. That, that was a huge advantage for the Cajuns in that game and one of the reasons why they won. And especially coming down the stretch. It, yeah. it, it's a whole different game for, for Georgia Southern to, to do things. So, All right, moving on. Let's talk about uh, the Cajuns are heading this week to South Alabama. Uh, this week we'll uh, we'll have our regular uh, sit down with uh, uh, Colin Lacey from the Georgia Southern Sports Network on, on Monday. 
Uh, I will also interview uh, J.D. Byers of the uh, South Alabama. He is their TV play-by-play -play guy. And then on Wednesday, I will have an interview with J.T. Crabtree, who is their radio play-by-play -play guy. So lots of stuff talking about South Alabama coming up this week. Um, where, I mean, I, I, I know I'm not going to, I know you haven't looked ahead in the sense of looking ahead, but what, what do you see off the top of your head, I guess? Well, South Alabama opened up the season, breaking open the tight game, getting three interceptions uh, in the second half to pull away from Southern Miss in the in the season opener. Who we found out was a very bad football team now. but Then they go up to Bowling Green, uh, a team that hadn't won a game against an FBS team in two years. and But it's on the road, and they get a win. Now, I didn't think much of it until Bowling Green turned around and beat Minnesota on yeah. Saturday. Minnesota? Then they go up against Alcorn State, and they're down at halftime. They come back, they wind up winning by two scores. Here's what I'm going to say about South Alabama. They're 3-0. and They've had two weeks to prepare. They have an energetic new young coach, and this team is going to take the field on Saturday believing they can beat the Cajuns. And I'm not sure in the last few years, since Billy Napier has been at Louisiana, I don't think South Alabama has ever taken the field believing they could beat the no. Cajuns. They're going to believe when they take the field on Saturday. I think the extra week obviously is going to help them having a bye this past Saturday. I still don't know how good they are, but they think they're good. And Kane Womack is telling them that they're good. Yep. And so this game could really be interesting. The thing that works in the Cajuns' favor. Billy Napier will tell you, division games count double. And he is going to be reminding his players all week long, this is a Western division game. And will stress how important this game is. So South Alabama is not going to sneak up on the Cajuns. If they beat the Cajuns, it's because they went out and, and did what they had to do to win. But this is not going to be Auburn taking on Georgia State the other day. Okay, This Cajun team will be ready to play. They'll understand the importance of the game. And they're going to get South Alabama's best shot. But I think South Alabama is going to get their best shot too. Let me go back to something you mentioned. And I believe you stated this on Scott's show. Um, you said something about division games counting double. And on Scott's show, I believe you you talked about that. But you said we had not lost an, uh, a Sunbelt Conference West game? Billy Napier has never lost a Western division game since he's been the Cajuns head coach. That to me is Even amazing. Even the first year when they went 7-7. Seven and seven. They were 4-0 against the West. He is 12-0 against the Sun Belt West because they put a lot of emphasis on division games. Look, you and I both know, okay, if the Cajuns can win Saturday, after that they play App State. After that they go to Arkansas State. You beat South Alabama, you beat Arkansas State, you're going to play for a conference championship, and the only question is where, and if you win that App State game, that question has a chance to be answered also. Yes. So, 
getting the tiebreaker in the division is huge. I agree. And with all due respect to Texas State and ULM, I don't think either one of them can beat the Cajuns. No. Uh, because both of those games are in Lafayette, first of all. Um, so if the Cajuns win this game and then win in Jonesboro, they'll, they'll be in the conference championship game again. But Billy, it's going to be a mantra all week long. Western Division opponent. South Alabama will not sneak up on the Cajuns. Uh, to me, that's just an amazing stat, though. 12-0 uh, against Sunbelt Conference West opponents. Uh, you've been listening, and we're talking with Craig Malonsaw and Jay Walker. One last thing, Jay. I know that you're on the radio a couple times a week. Uh, I know you're on Scott's show on Saturday morning from 8 to 9. Tuesday mornings, yeah. Tuesday morning. Did I say Saturday? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Tuesday mornings uh, from 8 to 9. Are you out anywhere, anywhere I'm also I'm also on with Raymond Parch on Tuesday at 103.7 The Game. Okay. Uh, at 7.35, roughly. We yep. do about 10 minutes or so. And then from there, I head down... Uh, to the to town square to, to do it live with Scott on and, ESPN fourteen twenty a.m. and also when the Cajuns play on Saturday, uh, I do a segment with the uh, professor. Okay, uh, on First Cup, uh, which is the name of his program on one zero three seven. The game it's at eight thirty in the morning uh, on on Saturdays when the Cajuns are playing. So three times on the radio, seven thirty-five-ish uh, with on one hundred three point seven. The game eight o'clock on uh, ESPN fourteen twenty, and then Saturday mornings when the Cajuns play on Saturday uh, on eight thirty in the morning. Eight thirty yeah. on one hundred three point seven. The game. So any last words, Jay? Any last words of wisdom that we need to know? Uh, How was your? Uh, did you have your second glass? Or yeah, I see you oh, push no, your no, glass no. away. No, no, no. I have not had a second <laughs> glass. I'm about to because okay. this, because this podcast is almost yes. over. But uh, but no, I've not had a second one and. It's um, very happy coming back home uh, Saturday night after another win in Paulson. I, I I don't get it. Okay, well I do get it. Yeah. Okay, but we're a pretty good football team. The Cajuns are a pretty good football team, and the Cajuns really under Billy Napier have been a very very good road team. Yes. And um, so I'm not totally shocked. And I thought the Cajuns were better than Georgia Southern. Um, I thought Georgia Southern, like I said, came out, played inspired. They kept it close. Cajuns could have played better. But it's another win at Georgia Southern, and I want Cajun fans who are scratching their heads being skeptical to what I'm saying, watch what they do at Paulson the rest of the year. Well, for Jay Walker, I'm Craig Malonson. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back uh, hopefully tomorrow with... uh with Colin Lacey from Georgia Southern Sports Network, uh, uh, J.D. Byers, uh, J.T. Crabtree during the week, and uh, hopefully Chris Lano this week. So uh, thank you for listening.